Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. This week, we're kicking off a month of made-it-myself goodies. You might normally buy these treats off the shelf, but we'll see if homemade tastes better when it comes to crackers, Pop-Tarts, Power Bars, and even Oreos. And since summer road trips are just around the corner, we'll take a look at some of the best factory tours you might want to add to your itinerary. So put the kettle on and get ready for some sweet talk. Stefan, you and I are both fresh back from trips and traveling and back in our homes and our home kitchens. Yes. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> and I wanted to talk a little bit about baking on the road and then getting getting your baked goods home from your trip. Oh. Speaking of baking on the road, I was fortunate enough to watch my sister-in-law Mimi okay. bake a cake at my mother-in-law's house. And some of you might recall we interviewed Mimi back in episode 46, I believe it was. And she's a fabulous cake baker. Her cakes are beautiful. So I was so excited about this session. And she brought all of her frosting tools because frosting is the real challenge for me. Okay. But of course, she was using my mother-in-law's kitchen, my mother-in-law's oven, uh, my mother-in-law's cake pans, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I was pleased to see, well, not pleased for her, (laughs) but... (laughs) I was pleased to see for myself that it didn't turn out as it usually does. (laughs) Of course, it still was beautiful, and it still was incredibly delicious, but she was not thrilled with how things turned out. You know, the cake stuck a little bit more to the pan. She's never had that problem before. Right. We were just talking about when you're baking on the road, even if you brought your own cake pans, even if you brought your own ingredients, you're still working with someone else's oven. Okay. And one thing that we came down to that we're thinking, you're working with someone else's home temperature. Mm. Mimi lives in Minnesota, and she typically takes her uh, her cake pans out of the oven and lets them sit for a certain amount of time. And she did that same thing in Arizona. But when we were talking about it later, it was like, oh, the temperature of the house in Arizona was so much different than the temperature of the house in Minnesota. Maybe that had something to do with it. Well, humidity. I always think of Minnesota as being a very humid place, whereas Arizona, it's bone dry. Oh, I didn't even think about that. But of course, I mean, humidity is one of those recognized things they talk about causing issues in baking. Yeah. I didn't have to figure out how to get that cake home because we devoured it. It was so incredibly good. (laughs) But we did post in our Facebook group a little bit about some of our listeners' challenges getting things home from a trip. And I just want to call out a few of these. Yes. Andrew mentioned a sourdough starter, which I can only imagine TSA looking at that and thinking like, okay, this is some sort of, you know, explosive. Look at the bubbling. (laughs) I can only imagine the airline saying, it's technically alive. You need to buy it a seat. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Okay, next time I book on Frontier, I'm going to be checking to see if that's an option. Gosh. 
Meredith is a girl after my own heart. She mentioned seeing someone with a full frosted homemade cake, and I loved that because I also one time was in a TSA line behind a lady carrying a full frosted homemade cake. And the most awesome thing about that was just all the smiles it brought to people's faces. Now, I mean, maybe you and Meredith were in the very same TSA line, or it was the same lady. Or it's also nice to know there's more than one person taking fully frosted cakes through TSA. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. I'll have to look at her profile and see where she's from. (laughs) These other two that I picked, and there were a lot of great responses, but these kind of jumped out at me, was Kim, who always brings back a local cheese. Oh. That is something very much after my own heart. I absolutely love cheese, and I never would have thought of bringing that. So I thought that was a great idea. And then Sarah brought a full Thanksgiving bag of leftovers in a right on <laughs> one-gallon zip bag. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best. Of course, you're going away for Thanksgiving. What's the best part of Thanksgiving? Arguably the leftovers. Why not bring them with you? Right on. And again, I just like to imagine the conversation with the TSA, you know, because I'm sure they would be like, oh, well, this makes sense. I mean, if you did it in April, I'm sure you would get extra screening. But as long as you do it on that Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, I'm sure they're fine with it. Well, I've never traveled with a cake on an airplane, but I have bought cheese in a country and brought it back to the States. And the place that I bought it just nicely packed it in a very secure, very cold, I think there was dry ice in with the cheese and so it stayed very very cold until I got it home so I know there are places that will pack it up for you and and do that if you're worried about it spoiling although I suppose if um, you know it's it's just wrapped up well you probably don't have too much to worry about on a shorter flight yeah right yeah Yeah. good point my favorite of them all was Maggie who brought a full-on pizza (laughs) and then wisely commented that she shared it with her row oh yeah I just thought that would have been so fun. I admitted to one time bringing a muffalata home from New Orleans and then being horribly embarrassed because they really smell. I mean, they're very fragrant. And um, Mm -hmm. I could see people looking Mm -hmm. all around and being like, what's that smell? And it was in the overhead compartment. So I just did the same thing. I was like, oh, yeah, I wonder what that is. (laughs) Hmm, hmm, Where's that coming from? (laughs) I wasn't going to be like Maggie and pull it out and share it with my row. She's a, a generous spirit. Well, I mean, air travel can be so arduous these days that it's nice to have um, people in your row on your plane sharing a piece of pizza with you. That makes it much more bearable, I'm sure. I thought it was a great idea. Hey, Andrea, switching tactics from travel to musical theater. (laughs) As one often does. As one often does. (laughs) Pizza to performances. My daughter took me to see Waitress the Musical for Mothering Sunday, and I have to give you guys a quick review. Oh, I'm so excited. I loved the movie, and I saw the posters for the musical when I was visiting London, and I wondered how it was going to play out on the stage. Well, I can't believe we didn't go. After I've seen it, I really regret that we didn't, Andrea. So, I mean, here in London, we are so spoiled because we can just walk out the door and go see world-class musicals, and we love them in our house, and we see as many as we can. But Waitress has quickly moved to the top of my all-time favorites As you mentioned, it is based on the 2007 movie of the same name, which I also saw back in the day. And the main character, Jenna, works in a diner in a small southern town. And she's just a genius at creating desserts that people both need and want Mm. because she bakes her feelings into each creation. 
And uh, girl's got some pretty strong emotions going on. She's pregnant, trying to escape an unhappy relationship, missing her mother, and falling in love with her doctor. So (laughs) kind of busy. (laughs) I enjoyed the movie when I saw it years ago, but I think the musical just perfectly encapsulated my feelings about why I bake and what I bake and how I get out of it as much as I put into it. I was so blown away. The soundtrack's by Sarah Bareilles, and it is fantastic. Oh, okay. The London production is Catherine McPhee, who you might know from American Idol. Yes, I loved her. Yes, so that's not a show I ever watched, but she was phenomenal. And I just, I laughed, I cried way more than I expected to. (laughs) It was so great, Andrea. And um, maybe the best thing of all, the snacks at intermission are mini pies baked in mason jars. Oh my gosh. How could they not be? I mean. (laughs) Right. And they're either baking them on site or they're piping in that fresh baked pie smell because when you walk in to the (laughs) lobby, it smells like pie. I mean, if you are planning a visit to New York or London where this is currently still showing, or if there's a touring production coming to a city near you, I just highly recommend it for all the bakers in my life, all the musical theater lovers in my life. I mean, I even bought a t-shirt at the merch stand, and I never do stuff like this. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. I'm going to rush right out and check on the touring production because I think that's one I would really love to see. You would love it, Andrea. And um, just a short word of warning, although I did go with my teenage daughter, it's definitely a PG-13 musical with adult themes and language. So do your own research before deciding who you might want to take with you. But I loved it. Perfect. Thanks for that review. Stefan, one thing I'd like to thank our listeners for is alerting us when they were having trouble finding recipes on our website. Yes. We had a little behind-the-scenes tech issues, and the program that we used to enter and display our recipes was deactivated. And so we had a little bit of time period where you couldn't get to our recipes, or when you clicked on the recipe link, it would say it was broken. But we do believe that has been fixed. We have a recipe tab up at the top of our website, preheatedpodcast.com. When you click on it, you will see the list of the recipes that either aren't available online or that Stefan and I have created ourselves. If you're looking for something like my Marionberry Coconut Crumble Bars, that's when you want to go to our recipe tab or Stefan's Mile High Key Lime Pie. And again, thanks so much to the listeners who brought that to our attention. We got a couple of different emails. And I know not everyone is on Facebook. Please do use our email address, host at preheatedpodcast.com, anytime you have a question or we have a contact page on our website as well. And you're welcome to use that. Well, Andrea, we are kicking off our month of May with a Made It Myself theme We thought it would be just really fun to tackle some of those bakes that you normally buy. And one of those is crackers. I have never made a cracker. Have you ever made a homemade cracker? I have never made crackers. I think it was a couple of months ago when the podcast that I listened to, TBTL, Luke mentioned that he was going to try and make crackers. And I got so excited about the idea. (laughs) And I started researching some different cracker recipes. And they all looked really, really hard. I'm going to be honest. And then I think you either tasted these or heard about these. So tell me how you were exposed to these life-changing crackers. 
Right. I mean, is that a great name or what? We can all just hope for wonderful things once we once we make and eat these <laughs> life-changing crackers. My friend Angelique brought these to one of my very favorite clubs I'm a part of, and that is my potluck club. Ugh. Just a group of us get together about once a month, and it's exactly what it sounds like. We have a big potluck. We just sit around and talk. It's a group of fabulous cooks. So amidst all these wonderful dishes, it's really unique when something stands out as much as it does because everything is great but Angelique brought these crackers and people were losing their minds Andrea (laughs) it was out of control and I mean they were gone in a flash I knew we had to tackle them this comes from a website called mynewroots.org they are chock full of just about every seed and oat and flax healthy thing (laughs) super healthy and I'm thinking that's why they're life-changing because you are going to get like all of your nutritions in one bite of these crackers. Well speaking of being chock full of all of these things I do have some questions. Yeah let's talk ingredients. Yeah since you've had these maybe you'll be able to help me out. Starts off with sunflower seeds. I know what those are. I'm assuming it's the, you know, raw sunflower seeds, not the roasted and salted ones. That's what I'm going to use. And I think it's also important to note you want those to be the hulled sunflower seeds. You don't want to have the shell still on. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right, right. That would be really life-changing for you. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Sometimes people do crazy things to get fiber. So it's good to mention. Okay, flax seeds, pumpkin seeds, sesame seeds, rolled oats. I'm just going to use my old-fashioned rolled oats that I have in my pantry. Yep. Chia seeds. Mm -hmm. And here's where you threw me for a loop. Psyllium seed husks or psyllium husk powder. You got it. So this is a ingredient that most people will know from, can we say laxative on the air? Um (laughs) This, and and this That's is what, what it is. This is what gives me pause because when I looked it up, I did see that it is the main ingredient in Metamucil. Indeed, it is. However, it is a natural occurring fiber, and I think what it's going to do here is add some bulk and some binding, since there's really not a lot of well, there's no flour, and there's really just the oats. So I think it's going to act as another flour-like substance here. I see. Well, I did go to my co-op to prepare for this recipe, and they did not have the psyllium seed husk, but they did have the psyllium husk powder. So that's what I'm going to be using. Excellent. And I found mine on Amazon in the UK, so I'm guessing that is also available on Amazon in the US. Oh, okay. Easy. Yeah. And I think people will have no trouble with the rest of the things. A little bit of sea salt, some maple syrup, or if you're on a sugar-free diet, you can use a pinch of stevia, either coconut oil or ghee, and some water. Yeah, that's it. And then there's two really nice variations here. I've had both of them. So you have a a nice basic template there for your basic cracker. And then you can do a rosemary garlic smoked salt version, as well as a fig, anise, and black pepper version. I particularly love that fig version because I'm nuts for figs right now. So I'm definitely going to make that one, if not the other variation. Do you have an idea of what you might do there, Andrea? I definitely am going to make the rosemary, garlic, and smoked salt version because I was gifted a lovely package of salt variations, and one of my favorites in there is a 
cherry wood smoked salt. Oh, perfect. I just know that's going to be so good. You know, it's interesting. I do like figs. And in fact, I could imagine using this cracker and then having like a very thinly sliced fig on it and then perhaps some gorgonzola cheese. That's how I like to eat my crackers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I don't know. I mean, I, I should try it. But, you know, I don't have any dried figs on hand. I have to go get some dried figs. Whereas the rest of the stuff, shockingly, upon inventorying my pantry, the only thing I didn't have, I didn't have the pumpkin seeds and I didn't have that psyllium husk powder. But everything else... Else I had, so I think I'm ready to bake. Yeah, this was shockingly similar to my granola recipe. Oh, okay. So I also had almost everything except that psyllium husk. Yeah, I think I'm going to do the fig version there. Now, Andrea, a really important thing on this recipe is that there's a lot of resting time. You combine all the ingredients with your water. It sounds like you've got a very thick dough. You're then rolling that out, and you're leaving it for between two hours and overnight. I mean, that is quite a stretch. I'm guessing that is to dry this mixture out so it becomes cracker-like when you bake it. What do you think? And I'm so glad you mentioned that because I had made a note there that I wanted to ask you if you knew what Angelique had done. Because as you said, there's a big difference between two hours or all day or overnight. I didn't ask her. Okay. So we will be flying blind. (laughs) I love recipes that give instructions like that because I feel like that is someone who just understands the realities of life, that while it might be nice to bake them off two hours after you let them rest, sometimes things get in your way. Yeah. I feel like the recipe creator is saying, that's all right, you can do it the next day. Just let them sit out overnight. My question was, do you cover them if you let them sit out or you just kind of have them on your rolling board just laying there on the counter? Well, I think what I might do, since you transfer it to the parchment paper for rolling, I might leave it on that, Mm -hmm. but stick it back on a cookie or jelly roll sheet, and then just leave it out, but not cover it. Because again, I think what the goal is, is to dry it out. And if it's covered, I'm worried that the moisture won't evaporate enough. Yeah. So I think I'm going to just let it go and just have it uncovered. Yeah. That's the only part that makes me nervous. I think from growing up in the South, you just don't leave food out overnight on counters. It's just like calling the insects to your home or calling the dog well (laughs) yeah yeah, good point in my house even more appropriate the dog but of course two hours that's fine so we'll see what I end up doing I'm very excited about this you know I'm a sucker for anything that claims to be life-changing so I'm for sure very excited about this recipe so thanks for finding it for us Okay, so remember, we will have a link to that recipe, which is the life-changing crackers from mynewroots.org in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 123. We'll have that on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as on our Facebook group, Preheated. Stefan, you and I both love a factory tour. We know they can be a really fun way to learn about a favorite product, and it's usually something that all ages can get excited about on a trip, which is fun for us traveling with our families. I even remember that you and your husband hit the Ben & Jerry's factory tour in Waterbury, Vermont on your honeymoon, so way to start off the marriage. (laughs) We sure did. And it remains one of our all-time favorites and the standard by which I've judged other factory tours ever since. It was interesting and educational, not just a sales pitch and a gift shop, had a vibrant guide, and most importantly, let's be honest, was generous with the free samples. Stefan, what I love about this story is they always talk about not doing things early on in your marriage that you don't want to continue throughout the rest of your life. And so (laughs) I love that you established 
ice cream factory tours on your honeymoon, <laughs> whereas on my honeymoon, I let my husband take me to a baseball game at Candlestick Park uh-huh. in mm-hmm. San Francisco, and I think he envisioned a lifetime of me going to baseball games with him after that, and uh, sadly, that has not come to pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Well... <laughs> Now, there are factory tours that span almost every industry from cars to woolen blankets and a ton of other foods like pretzels or even Spam. But for the purposes of our show, we're going to focus on our favorites, sweets and ice cream. What's really cool is that there is a factory tour in just about every state in the U.S. So let's start out in California, about an hour north of San Francisco. You might have heard of it, a little company called Jelly Belly. That's right. And though I don't celebrate all my major life milestones by going on a factory tour, (laughs) I did happen to go to this one on my 40th birthday. (laughs) And this is a huge operation. You can see the actual beans being made, and you'll learn it takes nearly three weeks to make a jelly bean because of all the heating and cooling cycles that happen in giant drums. I will say they were a little stingy with their samples, handing out one bean at a time. One bean? I know. (laughs) I think I would had about six beans by the time I got to the gift shop. Now, another more generous sweet spot back home in Washington State is the Liberty Orchards Factory in Kashmir, Washington, probably best known for producing applets and cutlets. Oh, gosh, yeah. Those have been around forever. And if I must be completely honest, I have not always been a fan. Mm. Listeners, if you're not familiar with applets and cutlets, they're a riff on a Turkish delight, a very soft and sweet candy. Stefan, it wasn't until I took the Mayfair Chocolate Ecstasy Tour in London and sampled freshly made Turkish delight from a Turkish cafe made by Turkish people that my opinion changed. Ooh, for better or for worse? Oh, definitely for better. I'm really a huge Turkish delight fan now, so I think I'll give applets and cutlets another try too. I think they do come in a variety of fruit flavors now, but I know they started with apple, that's the applets, and pear, that's the cutlets. And both of those are crops that Washington State is known for. That's right. And what's unique about this operation is how close you get to the action. When we toured a few years ago, we put on smocks, hairnets, and shoe protectors and went right into where they were making the candy. I still remember how that room smelled. It was so sweet from all the icing sugar. Well, speaking of candy, there's a factory tour on the East Coast, which really kind of put factory tours on the map. It's a company so big, in fact, there's an entire city named after it. You must be talking about Hershey's in Hershey, Pennsylvania. That's right. This experience is so extensive that there's a trolley ride inside of the facility, as well as a make-your-own-candy bar station, a tasting lab, and a 4D movie, which I think means that you smell chocolate as you watch the movie. (laughs) I wish all movies were like that. (laughs) Smell-o-vision. Large and small chocolate tours are available in lots of cities, including back in Seattle at Theo's Chocolates and in Las Vegas at Ethel M. But Andrea, were you hoping there'd be a fruitcake factory tour on our list? I can dare to dream. (laughs) Well, we're in luck. Next time we're in Texas, we can head down the I-45, just 50 miles south of Dallas, to visit Collins Street Bakery in Corsicana, home of the world-famous deluxe fruitcake. Though it's not a true factory tour, I had to give them a shout out as an ardent supporter of Fruitcake. And their website says their original 106-plus-year-old bakery always offers free samples and 10-cent coffee. Booking tickets to Texas now. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, likewise, at Eli's Cheesecake World in Chicago, you can book their Tastings and Traditions Tour, which starts with a look at company history and ends with a dessert sampler. Okay, let's switch over to another sweet treat, ice cream. Aside from your beloved Ben & Jerry's, where else can we go for some frozen factory fun? Well, we have to give a huge West Coast shout out to Tillamook Creamery in Tillamook, Oregon. It's been a few years since I toured this facility, and I understand they've undergone a recent refurbishment that's receiving great reviews. But when we were there, we enjoyed a self-guided factory tour as well as lots of samples of cheese and a massive ice cream parlor at the end of the tour. Oh yeah, I have been there many times, but not since the refurbishment. I love Ben & Jerry's, I love Tillamook, but since I'm a Southern girl, I grew up on Bluebell ice cream, and they have factory tours in both Texas and Alabama, where you can see their ice cream being made and enjoy a cone in the scoop shop. Now, a little further afield, in the 50th state to be exact, is the Dole Pineapple Plantation on Oahu, Hawaii. Loyal listeners will remember that a vital piece of kitchenware I shipped from Seattle to London was my commemorative plastic pineapple cup I purchased when we visited several years ago. <laughs> I love your priorities. Aside from a tour of the fields and the history of the company, the Dole Plantation is one of the few places in the world where you can purchase Dole Pineapple Whip, that creamy, dreamy concoction which you might remember we did a homemade version of last summer in episode 79. And listeners, if your travels are taking you to Europe this summer, or if you already live here, you can still get in on the factory fun. In Birmingham, England, there's Cadbury World, which I'm definitely going to need to hit before our time as expats is over. I am such a huge Cadbury chocolate fan, and this tour sounds much like the Hershey's tour in terms of activities and entertainment. And if you're popping over to Italy, you can tour the Perugia House of Chocolate, which includes a history of chocolate, a tasting laboratory, and even a chocolate school. Ooh, sign me up. Likewise, in Switzerland, there's the Chocolat Alpros Museum, which is dedicated to the history and art of Swiss chocolate making. And in Belgium, you can visit Concept Chocolate, which specializes in customized chocolates. Stefan, there's just so many fabulous foodie factory tours out there. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Preheated Pre road, road trip! trip. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, as you're planning your travels, be sure to check ahead as factories may be closed for refurbishment or hours or other details may have changed. Some tours charge admission or charge for add-on experiences, which you'll want to know about before you arrive. You'll also want to check for accessibility as some factory tours aren't advisable for folks who are unable to walk or stand on their feet for longer periods of time. We will have links to all of these tours in our show sheets for this episode, which is episode 123. And listeners, we know that many factory tours are hidden away in small towns across the world. If you have a fun factory tour near you, drop us an email at hosts at preheatedpodcast.com or let us know on our Facebook group Preheated so we can add to our preheated road trip itinerary. And special thanks to loyal listener Carolyn, who had such a good time on some recent factory tours in Milwaukee that she inspired this mini-segment. Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get the icing onto this episode. We release new shows every Monday morning, and next week, we'll see if those crackers really did change our lives. And we'll introduce one of Stefan's pixie food favorites, homemade style, Pop-Tarts. Plus, if you're planning your summer vacation, you may be interested in one of the many cooking classes that are available, no matter where in the world you are. 
Listeners, if you'd like to get an email and a link to the full show notes every week when our episode is released, subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, preheatedpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at preheatedpod. And if you like our show, please do tell a friend and subscribe, and consider ranking and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download our podcast. Steph and I'd love to share this great review we just got from Beach Girl. I rarely use my oven, but Andrea and Stefan have inspired me to brave the unknown and try baking. Oh, yeah. Their lighthearted, practical advice is always encouraging, often amusing, and informed by deep knowledge of how to achieve baking success. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Speaking from the perspectives of a long-term friendship and their homes in the U.S. and the U.K., they manage to simultaneously amuse, encourage, and instruct. Mm. Their innovative pod contents range from recipes to an appliance garage, book suggestions, advice about kitchen safety, and food examples based on travels in other countries. So thank you for that five-star and very thoughtful review. Oh, I love that. That is just one of the reasons it keeps us going. Thank you so much. And you know, Andrea, we've said it before, but it bears repeating whenever someone does a review and a ranking we notice incredible spikes in our downloads it's incredible the impact that has it really does help us out so we thank you thank you for taking the time to do that until next time i'm andrea ballard in olympia washington and i'm stefan cone in london thanks for listening and sweet dreams Preheated is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.